Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pittsburgh Pirates are 41 and 73 at the time of this recording. Unless they have a 41 and 7 stretch in them, they are not going to have a winning season. And I don't think that's particularly surprising to anyone. All year long, this was kind of a this was going to be an ugly year, and boy, has it lived up to that this year. Good morning anyway. That's such a nice welcome way to start off your morning. But good morning. I'll try to be better from here. <laughs> and welcome to the podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Alex Stumpf. On Tuesday night, the Pirates had one hit. Hoy Park ran into one, found the seats. That was all the offense for the day. On Wednesday... Carl Moran had two hits. Adam Wainwright threw 88 pitches and was one over the minimum the entire game. It was an embarrassing performance. Where they were set down far more often. I, I don't have I should have the scorecard in front of me. I should. I don't. Off the top of my head, I think they went down in order seven times. Any inning that Carl Moran did not get a base hit in. This offense is historically bad, or at the very least, belongs with those historically bad Pirates offenses. I wrote that as yesterday's main piece. You can read it on DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm not going to just rattle off all those same reasons again. But one point that I didn't really bring up in that article, or maybe I should have emphasized it more is how much of this team is just here right now. They don't really have any set, you know, future with this organization. Like, you got, you got, keep Brian Hayes, you got Brian Reynolds. Okay? Good. They, those guys are solidly part of the future. That next two, you got Hoy Park. You got Rodolfo Castro. You got... I, I hesitate to put Anthony Alford in this group also, but I guess he falls still technically in the play the kids category. 
Alfred's had far more experience, far more chances in the upper levels of a minor league system or in the major leagues. I hesitate to put him in there because I don't think Anthony Alford is going to be an outfielder of the future, but for the realm of possibilities, okay. Call Moran, pretty good hitter. Not part of the organization's long-term plans, most likely. But then you look at, like, Michael Perez, Gregory Polanco, John Nagelski, Wilmer Defoe, guys who aren't, maybe Kevin Newman, maybe Kevin Newman if we really are talking meritocracy here, and, you know, credit, Newman hasn't started as much since Hoy Park came up to the major leagues. Newman's still finding his way to getting at-bats, like in the double switch on Wednesday night, but... Not really. It's the first time we've really seen meritocracy talk affect Kevin Newman because he very clearly hasn't earned a starting job or to keep the starting shortstop job versus Hoy Park, who is frankly uh, an unknown, almost a complete unknown. He was a guy that before this year was kind of organizational depth. Had a big year at AAA for the Yankees. Now is up in the major leagues with the Pirates. It's fine to take you know a chance on that guy. I don't think anyone's complaining that Hoy Park has been getting more reps at shortstop than Kevin Newman. But this lineup is very much complete unknowns and people who aren't going to be part of this organization long term. And that leads to an offensive disaster. Hayes has not had a great year at the plate. The wrist injury, I'm sure, is a bigger deal than the Pirates are, or he will admit. It's the same way, like, if you broke your your handmade bone. We've seen so many hitters come back from that, but they're not the same hitter the rest of the year. It takes some time to build up. It takes some time to heal. Plus, Hayes is a rookie. He's... You know, it's a cat and mouse game. I The fact that Hayes has just been an okay hitter this year is not the reason why this Pirates offense is bad. The fact that Brian Reynolds has been a near-MVP level hitter is the one thing that's probably elevating them from being absolutely horrendous. And those whatever lingering effects Adam Frazier still has on the team OPS Plus and OPS for the season. Derek Shelton and Rick Eckstein were dealt a tough hand, but I'm not seeing the growth in a lot of these young players besides Reynolds. I The offense needs to be better than this. It doesn't matter what stage of the rebuild this is. And you have to wonder what's going to happen to Rick Eckstein at the end of this year. This is his, going to be his third year as Pirates inning coach. Last year, I I wouldn't say I was too surprised, but it was it was in the realm of possibility that they were going to go to someone else as the hitting coach. Go with someone else, and you know what? They stuck with Rick. I I think it's it was fair to not judge him, you know, or <laughs> decide over sixty games that he was absolutely not the right fit. But over 162, we're just seeing the same problems pop up again and again and again. And there isn't the, you can't 
throw, you can't watch a video. You know, there are so many restrictions type things. This is just a group of hitters that aren't progressing as a team. And even someone like Alfred, if Alfred is, you know, someone who does come back and does well, it'll be because of the work that he did in Indianapolis. For Dolfo Castro, it's the work that he did in the minor leagues. Hoy Park, it was the work he did with the Yankees AAA affiliate, more than anything. I said last year that Rick Eckstein got a buy for everything because of the breakthroughs that he and Hayes made. That was just, that was enough. That was enough. But I also said coming into this year, you more than anything, this team was going to be evaluated on how those players progress this year. And Reynolds, big step forward. Frazier, Adam Frazier, I mean, looking past San Diego, and you, maybe you could just see at the end of the year a slump, and oh, Adam Frazier comes back to earth. I don't think that'd be all too shocking. But Reynolds was a good hitter who had a bad year and rebounded well this year. Besides that, and maybe Frazier? Actually, no, I'll give Frazier also. I'll give Frazier also, even though I, I do think Frazier, a lot of it was just maybe stayed in himself a little more over the course of the season. But a lot of this team is either going backwards or holding steady on offense. This is going to be the second year in a row where the Pirates have a historically bad offense in the context of their franchise's history. You can't have three. You can't have three. Especially next year. Next year, whenever Swaggerty comes up and Cruz comes up. Or in 2023, when Gonzalez comes up, and Peguero comes up, and Mason Martin comes up. Like, there are so many young prospects that the Pirates, they talk so much about development. That development has to continue on in the major leagues, and frankly, it is not on offense right now. Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe something happens in these last couple weeks with a couple hitters that gives some confidence of where this offense is moving right now. But you can't deny that this was a very bad hand to be dealt. Nobody expected this to be a great offense. It's tough to defend against historically bad, though. And that's where this offense is for the second consecutive year. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a couple minutes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. 
Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Alex Stumpf. I'm stealing this. I'm stealing this second segment from an idea I got on my live cues from SR Dave. And I think SR Dave, the last Young Bucks was off of his suggestion of like a midseason prospect update. So, Dave, I, I think I should just be, you know outsourcing topic ideas to you here. But <laughs> Dave asked, you know, whenever you look at that team that Ben Sherrington inherited, you had Starling Marte. You had Josh Bell coming off an all-star campaign. You had Reynolds and Newman coming off of good rookie campaigns. Joe Musgrove, you know, there was, there was a good core of players here. Not a great core, but not a terrible one. If it was a terrible one, Ben Sherrington wouldn't have been able to trade them. So the question is, was the rebuild done at the right time? Could the Pirates have competed in 2020 if they really wanted to go for it? If you guys really want to, I, I put this as my answer, if you guys want to dig through some old Java's from September, October 2019. So I'm, I'm brand new on the site at that point. If you want to go digging, you could probably find my my articles about... Um, like Or not articles, the Java topics where I'm like, you know, if the Pirates invest about 40 or so million dollars in this team, they probably could compete in 2020. Now, of course, that comes with a couple big old asterisks. The most obvious being Sterling Marte in Thanksgiving 2019 saying, I, I, I am ready to move on. So we're going to look past all the human element in all this. But you can make a case that a team that had a winning season in 2018, they had more wins than losses, they should have done a lot more considering what they gave up, but it, it still was an above 500 team. Had just a terrible... And at the All-Star break, was within two and a half games of first place. Just absolutely collapsed in the second half of the season. But, you know, you think, okay, we found out a way to make Chris Archer a better pitcher. You still have Musgrove. You still have a good overall core of players of pitching. Should they have gone for it? My answer is no. Yes, if they would have spent $40 million, would have gotten a Yasmani Grandal, 
would have gotten you know, someone else to shore up the bullpen as a closer, someone else who could have you know, been in the rotation. A catcher, this is before we knew Jacob Stallings was going to end up being like a gold glove caliber catcher, but you know, Yasmani Grandal was also that gold glove-ish type catcher. What what is was it the right call? No, a rebuild was coming eventually because even if they would have spent forty million dollars on that team, that team just would have become more expensive the next year, and the next year. At some point, they were going to hit a wall. The only move Charrington had to make in that twenty nineteen off season was trading Marte, and that's what he did. And reflecting on when he traded the other players, most of them look okay. I mean, I mean the Jamison Tyon trade looks like highway robbery still. The the Joe Musgrove trade, depending on where you fall on Hudson Head, I mean, Musgrove's having a really good year with the Padres. I, I don't think that's really a surprise to anyone. But the Pirates are also selling the concept of he's going to be a really good pitcher rather than established he's going to be a really good or he is a good pitcher but you know they got Bednar that's a closer they got Head who's you know a top 10 prospect they got you know a good overall smattering of players not saying that Omar Cruz is going to be you know this front of the line starter or anything but maybe he's a left-handed reliever maybe Drake Fellows you know falls into the bullpen somewhere maybe Andy Rodriguez having a really good year in Bradenton there's a lot of those types of situations. The only trades that kind of look weird timing-wise are the Josh Bell trade, which I can't even really blame him that much because he had Colin Moran also coming off of a better year. Josh Bell is coming off of a bad year. That was a pretty simple cut-and-dry case. And Adam Frazier, which, you know, McConnell, now that you get, now that I've seen him for a little bit, looks like a good ball player. Check out some of those swinging bunt highlights he's got in Indianapolis. He's got a very, very good feel of how to control the bat through the zone. Make contact. It, there's a lot to like about him as a hitter. He doesn't have the power. But, you know, you traded Adam Frazier for a faster Adam Frazier, faster, more defensively versatile one. That's not bad in the grand scheme of things. And then the Marte trade. I know Brennan Malone's had a tough year. I I still put him in my top ten prospects in Young Bucks and the breakdown that Jared and I did. I still think he has some of the best pure stuff in this organization, and he could do it in a starter's package. Now he's really gonna have to make up for lost time in twenty twenty two, but I still think he is a big time hitter, and Pagero is a top five prospect in this organization. Baseball America just had it in their midseason update, so nothing too surprising there. Maybe they could have competed in 2020. But what if they don't? What if they spend that 40-ish million and it just makes them go back to being a 500 team? Because you know what? We know Kevin Newman hasn't hit as well as he did his rookie year. We know, even if you, even if the pandemic never happens, which, oh man, $40 million for the pandemic never to happen. Now that I'm saying it out loud, that might not be the best thing. But okay, a pandemic shortened season, you still know that Brian Reynolds struggles. You still know, 
now that we know what we know, not going for it was the right decision. The rebuild was inevitable. Now's the time to do it. Fangraphs just updated their board. The Pirates are tied for second with 62, 62 prospects. You talk about top 30s, they doubled it. 62 prospects who have at least a 35-plus grade, which is a fringe you know, major leaguer at that point. That's a quad-A player. That's Anthony Alford, I think, in his last update was 35-plus, if you just want to put a guy there. They have... Almost as many top 100 prospects in Baseball America's list as anyone. I don't know where it stands with the midseason update, but I know in the previous one they had six. That's a lot. They've got a good farm system. They've got better player development going on right now. They're trending in the right direction as an organization everywhere besides the major league level at the moment. And I know the major league level is the only one that matters in the grand scheme of things. Those are the wins and losses that matter. Baseball could be a little more palatable in Pittsburgh in 2021, probably, if they would have gone for it, but no. No. This is the growing pain. This is going to be the worst year out of the bunch. Next year, there's Cruz, there's Swaggerty, there's Contreras at some point, there's probably a full year of Yahure. Next year's team isn't going to flirt with 100 losses like this year's team probably will achieve. They need to go 22 and 26 down the stretch to avoid it. And that just doesn't seem particularly feasible at the moment with just where their roster is at the moment. The hardest year is almost over. It's less than a third of the way to go. It's about six or seven weeks still to go. After that, it does get better. We have seen the major teardown more or less complete. Not to say someone like Cool or Brault or Moran won't be floated around this offseason in trade talks. But most of it is done. Most of it is complete. This is tough, but it's the right call in the long term. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you find your fine podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.